Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I'm here with another solo podcast. And this one is going to get super, super meta. We are going to talk about, uh, I guess, the proper term for this would be epistemology, but basically what you can know, what is knowable, and how to make the difference in the various processes that might be taking place in your law firm, in your business at this point in time. So I wanted to bring up a little anecdote of mine that is kind of a bummer. This is something that happened pretty early in uh, back before I even really started case fuel. This is back when I was a freelancer and I was working on an AdWords campaign with an immigration attorney. And he brought up this point, which really grinded my gears. And um, he was wondering about the variability of the results because this was marketing. It was a relatively small budget. Uh, We got great results some week. We had like results that weren't as good the other week. And he, was, he brought this thing up. He said, I don't understand why you guys can't just deliver the same thing every single time. Every single time we file an application for a visa, it's 100% certainty. Why can't you do that? And I didn't really have the time to explain it. So I guess this is like a you know five, six year in response <laughs> kind of a staircase with sort of thing. But this really all boils down to the theory of knowledge, right? So there's certain things that are knowable, there's certain things that are doable, and there's certain things that are a lot more constrained than others. So I want to take that specific example and map it onto something a little bit more general, just to make it like a little bit more objective. So there's things, and I want to make the distinction between algebra and engineering, right? So without getting into complex stuff like calculus and uh, all that crazy stuff, uh, there's more or less, you know, there's, there's a little bit of leeway in how you might go about solving a problem, right? There's the rules, PEMDAS, that kind of stuff. But ultimately, there's one problem. There's one answer to the problem. It is knowable. You're either objectively right or you're objectively wrong. There's no uh, degrees of variation, right? Now, we can use numbers to do something similar. And this is something that really blew my mind uh, when I kind of figured it out. This was something that really blew my mind when I heard it for the first time. And I was in shop class, and I want to say 10th or 11th grade. And the teacher said, what's the best bridge that you can have? And then a lot of people said, and this is my belief, so the best bridge you can have is the strongest bridge because you can never, you know, you're never going to worry about it falling down. It's the purpose of a bridge. And he said, the answer is not the strongest bridge. The best engineered bridge is the bridge that's as strong enough to withhold the strain that it will encounter and no stronger, Right. So now we're talking about a trade-off, right? Okay, we could make a bridge that was made out of solid diamond that would weigh 10 million pounds and it would take nothing short of an asteroid hitting the earth to knock this thing down. But practically speaking, the uh, you know local governments and uh, you know the state, federal, whatever is not going to be pretty well served if it's investing your tax dollars into a ten million pound bridge that's made out of solid diamond, right? And this is kind of something similar that I see often from the marketing side to oh yeah, this is awesome. We want to you know cover the entire state, and usually it's going to be like Texas or California or something like that. All right, great. What's your budget? Yeah, I think we got about five hundred bucks, right? So in this case, they're not really staying aware of the trade-offs, right? You can always have more, but at some point there is a process where more comes at the cost of other things too. 
So this is where things end up kind of getting bridged because when you talk about the highest level, and I'll bring this back to legal in a sec too, there's, you know, you have certain things like what's the best course of action for winning a trial, right? There are best practices, there's colleges and training programs that teach people how to be particular, like persuasive trial attorneys. But if you're talking to Professor A versus Professor B or trial attorney A versus trial attorney B, they will argue on some of the finer points, but they'll agree with a lot of things as well, right? So we have sort of best practices that exist, but again, they're practices and there's preferences. And to make things even more confusing, the trade-offs may change over time. There's things that may have worked really, really well in the 80s or 90s for whatever reasons in trials that may be completely different with the way that trials are run this year in 2021 when I'm recording this, right? And basically... The truth is, and if I were to go back to the attorney that I was speaking to earlier, the reason why he could get a hundred percent success rate is because he was dealing with a simple problem. What we were dealing with with dealing with potentially thousands of people that were seeing ads and trying to funnel them as best as possible to get them to the point where they could engage uh, with that attorney is, is a lot more different. There's there's different trade-offs, there's different uh, factors involved. There's a lot of variability in the uh, elements that are concerned, right? So I want to kind of get to this in terms of general operations within, again, the marketing example is usually the first thing that comes to my mind. But uh, as far as delegating processes within your business as well, there's a lot of applications to this. So if you need to teach somebody how to create a file folder for a new client, that is something that's a simple process. It's generally not going to require a lot of oversight. That's something that you can have in an SOP one-to-one directions. And then there's going to be a binary pass fail with whether they did that correctly. That's the kind of thing that you can offboard extremely quickly. You probably don't need to have an extremely qualified person to do that. If you do have an extremely qualified person doing that, you're probably, you know, kind of building a diamond bridge there. If you want to extend the metaphor from before, right? Similarly, uh, this is also kind of one of those things that you can consider a commodity process. This is the kind of stuff that works really well with a VA and not the kind of thing that you should you know, really be investing a lot of time, money, or energy into to get absolutely top flight. If it's doable, according to the process, every single time that it makes sense. As we kind of get up in the process, when we're going away from something that's simple into something more complex, we generally need a little bit more education, a little bit more background, and either a more talented person to start out with or a more well-developed training process, Right. This is something that we've been thinking about a lot. Uh, we've been just uh, working on some of the internal training at Caseville University around operations. And one of the things that we firmly believe is that, you know, SOPs are great, but SOPs are a jumping off point, right? There's some dark sides to SOPs, which include people that are getting used to SOPs that are expecting an SOP for everything. Now, when you have an SOP that's running into a more complex problem, a lot of times that'll break, right? So we need to make sure that we're understanding the limits of what we can expect out of our people and our processes, right? So what I was trying to get at was we have kind of a trade-off between how much training we do and how much talent we need out of somebody, right? And again, I think this is also sort of a diamond bridge problem. If you need to hire, and um, this is something that uh, I hear thrown around a lot in kind of management consulting and that kind of talk to just like, oh yeah, just hire A players. Okay, great. So let me just throw $150,000 in salary at every single position in the business and everything will be peachy, right? Not a realistic solution for a lot of solo law practices, as you can imagine. But um, I think that there's a trade-off between the amount of training that you put in and the quality of that person. I think you can take somebody who is honest, hardworking, brings their questions to the table and has motivation when you're not in the room. That kind of person, I think you can train to perform as well as somebody who might be more qualified or naturally talented as long as you're staying on top of them, right? 
And the real important thing to get people to understand a complex process is feedback. And oftentimes it's not how a process is supposed to be done, but why a process is done that's going to force people to understand the complex decisions that are being made by somebody that's at a little bit higher level, a little bit more experience to them. And this is something I'm going to get into in a later podcast, but there's a lot of research around transferring these sort of things to around stuff like ER nurses and fighter pilots and, you know, Marine Corps squad leaders and stuff like that, where we're balancing extremely complex, different challenges with a lot, a lot of trade-offs. Like, you know, if you're in the Marine Corps, are we going to get to the objective as fast as possible? We're going to make sure nobody gets shot, right? You're balancing those things constantly all different times. And to understand these things, it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of understanding. And then, you know, frankly, to transfer that expertise is challenging, but not impossible. But again, we need to make sure, uh, and this is kind of the big takeaway from this episode, is we can't treat simple problems like they're complex. And we can't treat complex problems like they're simple. And there's more levels to that. But I will leave it there for you guys. And we will be back next week, probably next two weeks for another solo pod with another episode of the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.